Good afternoon again, everybody. Special welcome to any guests that are worshiping with us and as well as those watching online. Thank you again, Pastor Ted, for leading us in worship this afternoon. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 66, the first four verses. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worship you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Thank you and good evening to you all, brothers and sisters. It's good to be here again to lead you in worship. It is my prayer and hope that what we do here is to God's glory and honor. Let's stand as we begin this worship service. We come before our God and aware of ourselves and of how we need the help that can only come from our triune God. Let's start then by admitting this uh, congregation of Jesus Christ. From where does your help come? Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And God hears us, brothers and sisters, and responds by greeting and blessing us with the words found in 1 Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We can respond now in our singing. Thankful for God's grace and peace, let's unite our voices and praise God the Creator. Let's worship Him who has been our guide. And also, we can then in our song admit that we can only win our battles with His help. Hymn 77, all the stanzas. Oh, oh, oh. 
Let's now pray to our Father in heaven. O Lord God, yes, our Father in heaven, thank you that we can gather together as your congregation once again today. Thank you, Lord, for those who are visiting with us. We pray, Lord, that you will also be with all of us as we worship you, Lord. For we come aware of our great need for you. We come from all different backgrounds and histories, Lord. We come with all kinds of different things on our minds and hearts. Some of these things have a tendency to distract us. Some of these things are weighing us down. We come broken, in other words, Lord, and we are seeking comfort and strength from Your Word. For Your Word is perfect. And You tell us that it revives the soul. Your Word is trustworthy and and sure, making wise the simple. And yes, Lord, the Gospel is Your power for salvation to everyone who believes. Father, we admit that by our nature we are blind and incapable of doing any good. Our sinful natures are not open to hearing what You have to say. And so we plead with You to shine Your light into our darkened minds and hearts by Your Holy Spirit. And give us humble hearts. Remove the pride that is there as well as the influence of the world we live in For these, Lord, work against You. They are our and Your enemies. Help us to see that. Open our ears as well, Lord, so that when we hear Your Word, we may rightly understand it. And then also that we might let ourselves be governed by it in all that we do and say. And Father, we also pray that You will graciously bring back those who are wandering away from and leaving Your truth. We know, Lord, that only You can change hearts. And so we pray that You will work in their hearts by Your power and Holy Spirit. And Lord, as congregation, we also pray that You will help us to show the same love that You have for us. Yes, to those who are strained, but Lord, to each other, to any and all who are our neighbors. And Father, we ask these things of You knowing how badly we need Your help in all this, Lord. And we pray this prayer for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 104. This evening we're continuing the lessons that are found in our Heidelberg Catechism. These are a summary of what God teaches in His Word. And we'll be dealing with what we believe and understand by the first article of the Apostles' Creed, which is, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Now, I could have chosen any number of psalms that speak about the creating work of our God. I chose Psalm 104 mostly. It's a beautiful poem that mostly speaks about God's creating work, but also how He continues to be very active in His 
creation. And so I ask you as we read this together, I'm going to ask you to notice how, just how the psalmist speaks about God as Creator, but also how God continues to sustain and govern all things. Because I do hope to refer back to this psalm and the sermon, but I'm not going to by any means be able to cover it all. Hear the word of our Lord. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering Yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of His chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds His chariots. His chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes His messengers winds, His ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys, they flow between the hills, they give drink to every beast of the field, the wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell, they sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. The cedars of Lebanon that he planted... In them, the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, 
who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So far from this psalm. Next we'll turn to the letter to the Ephesians again. Maybe when you saw it in the liturgy sheet you thought it was a copy and paste error. preached on this for those of you who weren't here last Sunday afternoon as well. And I'd like to read it again because of how it speaks about God as our Father, which is what we'll be looking at this afternoon. And maybe you've got it memorized because I did encourage you to read it every morning this past week, so possibly you know this very well, but let's read it once again. Ephesians 1, we'll read the verses 3 to 14. Hear the word of our God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him that is in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So far from God's Word, may He bless it in our lives. Psalm 8 is another beautiful psalm praising our God, the Creator, displaying His majesty on high with glory reaching far above the sky. Let's, before we turn to our catechism, let's just sing Psalm 8, stanzas 1, 3, and 4.
as I mentioned, we're going to continue with our catechism this evening, and we can, as we can read from Lord's Day 9. If you do want to follow along your books of praise, that can be found on page 525. I'd like to read with you Lord's Day 9, but then <clears throat> also the first question and answer of Lord's Day 10. I decided to combine these two question and answers because as you'll see, that second question and answer expands further on this topic of God's providence that is originally mentioned in this question and answer 26. And then the Lord willing, next week, hopefully we can look at question and answer 28 of Lord's Day 10. So Lord's Day 9, question 26. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth? The answer is that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by His eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ His Son, my God and my Father. In Him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that He will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and will also turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God, and willing also as a faithful Father. Lord's Day 10, question 27 what do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is His almighty and ever-present power, whereby as with His hand He still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. So far from our catechism. We'll res respond to the sermon by singing yet another psalm praising God for His creating work. More specifically in this psalm, he's, how He simply spoke and the world came to be. We can sing Psalm 33, 1 and 2 after the sermon. Brothers and sisters, in and of Jesus Christ. So this evening we begin dealing with the articles of the Apostles' Creed, which, let's not forget, these articles summarize all that is promised to us in the Gospel. And when it comes to what we believe about God the Father as a person of the Trinity, there is just one full sentence or article of our faith. And we know this one well. Almost flows, it's almost poetic in its form. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Now, before we go any further, I'd like to just point out something about how our catechism lays out what it is that we believe about God the Father and our creation. You might have noticed that as we read it. And it goes something like this. What do we believe? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by His eternal counsel and providence, is 
for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. You see, the way it's laid out, you, you can miss it. But there is a main thought, there is a main sentence that is broken up by a whole bunch of descriptive subclauses that further explain and describe who God is. And when we strip away all the additional clauses, what is it that we believe then? That the eternal Father of Jesus Christ is my God and my Father. Now, I'm not suggesting that those other parts aren't important. Not at all. They are very important. As a matter of fact, we will be focusing on them this evening. But what I wanted to highlight to you is how our catechism and how we too it makes it so personal as it often does. It points us to our comfort in believing in God the Father Almighty. What does it mean to you? It's asking. What is it you believe? And what a beautiful answer. The Father of Jesus Christ is my Father. Now I realize that last week we already touched on and we praised God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We use that what we read now, that first part of Ephesians 1, to simply marvel at our triune God. For we could see how each of the three persons of the Trinity work together for our salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. As a quick review, also, of course, since I realize there's a, there's a chance not all of you were here, let's just remind ourselves what we learned about, more specifically, our Father. And first of all, there is the fact that God is eternally a Father. In other words, there, there has never been a time that He was not a Father to His Son. God didn't ever become a father like we might. He just is. It's a character. He is. He has been and always will be father. We also heard last week how Jesus himself referred to the love the father had for him since before the foundation of the world. And incredibly, that love the Father had for His Son is the same love He has for those who believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's from John 17. And it was out of this love that God chose, that He predestined you and I and all who believe in Jesus to be adopted as His children. And these children can now look forward to receiving the full inheritance. We read that again, didn't we? It's guaranteed since we were sealed by the Holy Spirit all to the praise of His glory. And so yes, we already covered, we could say, 
some of what is now being dealt with in Lord's Day 9. More specifically, that main sentence describing what we believe. That the Father is eternal. That the eternal Father of Jesus Christ is my God and my Father. And so while we won't be spending time on that this evening, I am going to ask you to always keep that at the forefront of your mind. That God Almighty is our Father. And instead, what I'd like to do this evening is turn our attention to who this God is. Who... Um, what do, and what do we believe about His providence? But we're not getting rid of it completely. It is, so, it is so important that we don't just learn about God without it affecting us in some deeply personal way. We will get back to the fact that He is our God, our Father, when we conclude and consider and reflect about what it all means for us. And so I preach to you God's Word to summarize in Lord's Day 9 and 10 using this theme, Almighty God is our God and our Father because of Jesus Christ. And then following, just following the structure of what we learn in question answers 26 and 27, we'll see how in His providence, our God and Father, first of all, created heaven and earth and all that is in them. Secondly, He continues to uphold all that He created And finally, thirdly, He controls and rules over all things. First then, that He created heaven and earth. So, who is this God who is our Father because of Jesus Christ? And our catechism begins by pointing us to the fact that He is the Almighty God who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them. Ah, yes, creation. A God who created the whole universe out of nothing. You really still believe that? Because yes, this can be a bit of a thorny topic, can't it? We live in at a time when most believe that life as we know it began with a big bang and that the whole world evolved out of some kind of primordial soup, believing that God created everything out of nothing is quite frankly often mocked at. And while I have no intention of getting into the whole creation versus evolution debate, There's much out there that does that way better than I could. Let's always remember, regardless of whether it is creation in six days or a big bang that put things in motion, faith is required. In Hebrews 11, God's Word plainly says as much. Faith is first of all defined as being convinced, being sure of things we cannot see, And then we read in verse 3, it is by faith that we can understand that the entire universe was created by the Word of God. So that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Creation out of nothing. And so yes, we believe 
that from eternity there was triune God and nothing else. We believe the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We believe that it is from out of an empty, dark world of nothingness which we cannot even begin to grasp that God spoke. God decided to create. That is, make something out of nothing. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so it all began. Psalm 33, which, like I said, we hope to sing, praises God for His beautiful and awesome work in creation as He simply spoke it into existence. This is the Word of God. By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were created. By the breath of His mouth, all the stars were born. For when He spoke, the world began. It simply appeared at His command. And then, don't you just love the poetic way in which the psalmist describes God's creating work that we read in Psalm 104? It all begins with praise, O Lord my God, how great You are! Stretching out the heavens like a tent, laying the beams or the foundations of His upper rooms on the rain clouds. He, that is God, set the earth on its foundations. The watery deep at first covered it like a garment, we read. Until at your command, the waters fled. They hurried away at, 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 at His thunder. And then the mountains rose, the valleys sank, all to the places that were set by God. Truly amazing. And yes, we can find praise for God's creating work in many, many places in the Bible. Way too many for me to point out. But it is interesting. God also reminds us in His own words. One example is what we can read in Isaiah. And I don't know about you, but... I sure find it like notice how how different it sounds when it comes from God Himself. This is from Isaiah. The Lord is speaking to His people. He says, I made the earth. I created people, the people who live on it. It was me. My hands stretched out the heavens. I gave orders to all the stars in heaven. And then a few verses further. I am the Lord, and there is no other. My brothers and sisters, I know I'm quoting now a lot from the Bible. I'm well aware of the danger of this means that you start to tune me out. But it's just so important that we believe 
That we believe with all our heart that our God, our Father, out of nothing, created the universe as we know it. And one of the reasons it's so important is because there was a reason behind it all. God created the heavens and the earth so that they might be inhabited. This is something, I don't don't know if you picked it up already last week in Lord's Day 8. We already talked about God the Father and then it says, and our creation. One little word that makes so much difference. It's not God the Father and the creation. It is ours. As we can read in Psalm 115, the world is a gift. It is God providing for His, for His, for His people. It is a gift from our Father. Psalm 115 says, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to mankind. And remember Psalm 8 that we just sang? The psalmist is considering, he's gazing at the heavens, the work of God's fingers. He's looking at the moon and the stars all set in place by God. And he explains, oh, what is man that you should think of him, that you should care for him? And yet, you, O God, crown them with glory and honor. And if I use the rhyme version, all things you gave to Him as His domain that over your creation He might reign. No doubt the psalmist is thinking of how the Lord God commanded man when He first created them to have dominion over the earth, to fill it, to multiply. How He placed the the crowning work of His creation in that beautiful garden that He made for Him. Yes, our God, our Father, is the One who created the universe and everything in it for us. And then all we can do is echo the psalmist's praise and awe and wonder. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. I'll leave the creation story at that. Let's move along as we consider how God not only created the whole universe and everything in it, He also continues to uphold it by His almighty and ever-present power. Second point. Now, contrary to the idea that God stopped being actively involved after creating the universe, We believe, and I'm using words here from our Belgian Confession now, Article 12, we believe that He continues to sustain and govern all things according to His eternal providence and by His infinite power. I said, contrary to the other idea, that idea that God is like, is, is compared almost to um, a clockmaker, let's say. That's the famous example that is often used. 
God is compared to a clockmaker who, after he creates this incredible masterpiece, he simply wound it up and he left it to run on its own. That whole idea, yes, it became especially popular during the so-called enlightenment. It continues in various forms today. And I know I'm not doing justice to it. I'm very much over, oversimplifying things. But it basically comes from a desire to get rid of God and His revelation, including the Bible, from the picture. You see, then it leaves us and our reason to be the source of what we know and believe. We might hear something like, oh sure, sure, I can accept that there might be a higher power. Or an intelligent design, we could say. Or someone who designed it all. I get that. But no, I don't believe in a personal God who continues to be active in the world or who continues to be active in me and my life for that matter. But my brothers and my sisters, the Bible tells us a very, very different story. And we can be so thankful for that. God is very much involved in continuing to uphold and sustain all that He created. Psalm 104 again. It leaves little doubt, doesn't it? God makes the springs gush forth and flow between the hills, giving drink to the animals. And then beside those animals, the birds live and sing among the branches. Oh God, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock. You water the trees. And in them, the birds are building their nests. You even provided the high mountains for the wild goats. The rock badgers find safety in the cliffs. The young lions, they seek their food from God. Does that sound like a God who no longer is involved or active in that which He created? No. See, what we are talking about here is God's ongoing, we could say, providence. Or providence. It's God's providing. Something our catechism defines as what providence is, is His almighty, ever-present power. Whereby as with His hand, He still holds up, upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. Notice the emphasis on His power. He is almighty. And it is with this power that our Father continues to uphold or sustain and provide for all that He created. See, it is only by God's providence that all creatures, that the world itself continues to exist. And so no, God never stopped working because immediately after His creating work, 
God's providence began. Nothing would or could exist without His permission, without God allowing it to. We can read in Hebrews 1 verse 3. It's a very interesting passage there. In Hebrews 1 verse 3, we are told that Jesus Christ radiates God's glory. That Jesus represents the essence of God and He upholds, sustains all things by His powerful Word. And yes, God, through His Son, continues to uphold the universe, everything in it. As a matter of fact, if God were to take away His hand, even if for a moment, everything He created would cease to exist. That is, in effect, what Scripture teaches us. I'd like to give you one example. We can think here of Paul's sermon to the Athenians in Acts 17. We know that walking through Athens, he sees an altar to the unknown God. And he had an opportunity, he uses that opportunity to introduce them to his God, our God. And he says, let me tell you about this God. Again, he starts with creation. He made the world and everything in it. And since He is Lord over heaven and earth, He doesn't need temples. He doesn't need anything from us. For it is God. Why would He need something from us? It is God who gives life, breath, and everything else to everyone, to all people. In fact, Paul continues, our God is not some distant God. He's not far from each one of us. As a matter of fact, it is in Him that we live, that we move about, and even exist. That's from Paul's sermon to the Athenians. Everything depends on God to exist. So yes, let's, we can, we ought to thank God often that He is so very involved in upholding, in sustaining all that He created. And as we move that to a personal level, that includes you and me, brothers and sisters. Based on what God tells us in His Word, we can imagine God's hand underneath us holding us up, so to speak. Listen to these incredibly comforting words from your God found in Isaiah. And if I would have heard Pastor Tim's sermon on Haggai this morning, I could have used those words. God says to His people, do not fear. Why? For I am with you. Do not be discouraged For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I, and here it is, that image of the hand, I will hold you up, uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
How beautiful is that? And how thankful we can be that in His providence, God continues to uphold the world and everything in it and you and me by His power. And that's not it. As we will see in our third point, our God and Father also controls or rules over all things by that same power. And just so we are on the same page, it might be good to that we see the difference between upholding and governing. Upholding means exactly that. Holding up, sustaining, supporting. To, what is meant here with to govern means more to rule or to direct or to control. And yet the two are related as we are still under the, the umbrella, we could say, of God's sovereign power. Ever notice, by the way, that the words reign and over are found in the word sovereign? He is our supreme King. Our God reigns over everything. Providence, then, refers to how the fact that God is sovereign or reigns over all, how that applies to us. Again, from the wording in our catechism, God's providence is His almighty and ever-present power by which He not only upholds, but governs all things. This too can be found in that beautiful psalm that we read together. Remember how the livestock, the animals, the birds, the seas that are teeming with living creatures, the Leviathan even, the lion, and of course mankind too. They all look to God to give them their food in due season. Notice the control, the governing hand that God has. For the psalm says, it is only when He gives it that they gather it up. It is only when God opens His hand then they are filled with good things. On the other side of things, when God hides His face, they are dismayed. God even controls their very breath. For when He takes it away, they die. Yes, it is God who actively rules over His creation. This truth is seen throughout the Bible. And now I can add the book of Haggai to the list of examples. I was struck by how, how um, forceful God was. You didn't get many crops. It was me! I blew it away! I have caused the drought to happen. God governs. He rules. But I must admit, there was one story as I was preparing this sermon that just kept popping up in my mind of an example of this. And this is the story of Jonah. I also pick it, because you kids, you know this story really well too, don't you? And no, there's no time to get into all the details. Let me just remind you of a few. 
Remember how Jonah ran away from God? Did that storm that he experienced in the boat, did that just, was, that, was that a coincidence? No. It says the Lord sent this massive storm and nearly made the ship he was on sink. And let's not forget, God ended the storm too, didn't He? Then God sent a great fish to the very spot where Jonah was. And He told that fish to swallow Jonah. After Jonah repented, we can read that the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah Jonah onto dry land. Isn't that incredible? Just think. God is using, He's ruling His creation, His creatures for His own purposes. And this isn't even the end of it. Yep, we got our butt. Wait, there's more. After He proclaimed judgment on the city, city of Nineveh, remember how Jonah sat down to wait and see what would happen? What did God do? God appointed a plant. Sent a plant, it says. God made it grow. He made this plant grow up over top of Jonah, which gave him shade. Which made him very happy. But then do you remember what happened next? The next morning at dawn, God sent tiny little worm. That worm attacked the plant, we are told, so that it dried up. And as the sun rose, God sent a hot east wind. And there, the sun beat down on Jonah again so that he wished he could die. Do you see how God is in control of all that He created All of these things from storms to a hot wind. From this huge fish that's big enough to swallow a man to a tiny little worm. They are all under God's control. All used, in this case, to teach Jonah and, of course, us a very important lesson. God's control over creation is so clear in how we dealt with Jonah. Do you think our God is any different today? He can still send a worm to eat away whatever vegetation is there. He can send the lightning strikes that maybe start a forest fire. He can send the rain. I could go on. All things, my brothers and my sisters, when we say that, that means nothing is accepted. Everything is controlled and ruled by our God and Father. How can we even grasp that or understand it? But once again, our catechism brings this down to real life. What does it mean 
that God governs heaven and earth and all creatures as with His hand. Well, it means this. Leaf and blade, that means from the mighty tree to every blade of grass. Rain and drought. Fruitful and barren or lean years. Food and drink. Health and sickness. Prosperity, riches and poverty. All things, in fact, don't come to us by chance. They come by His fatherly hand. And that is so, so very comforting, isn't it? Everything that comes our way is from our Father's hand. But now we're kind of sneaking into territory I was hoping to cover next week. The Lord willing, when we can consider more how knowing about God's creation and providence benefits or helps us. And so let's instead move on to our conclusion. As I promised, I'd like to tie <coughs> what we learned about God and God's providence back with that grand statement that I asked you to keep in your minds. That the eternal Father of Jesus Christ is my God, your God, your Father. So what does it all mean? What do we take home but the fact that we believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And as I was considering this, what can I come up with here? I was reminded of something I read once that I thought was very interesting. Because so often we hear, like we did in this sermon as well, how Almighty God is our Father. But notice what happens when we flip things around. My Father is Almighty God. What a difference, no? All of a sudden, we're not talking about some distant God who happens to be my Father. We're talking about who my Father is. He is the eternal Father of Jesus Christ. He is the almighty and all-powerful God who not only created the whole universe and everything in it, He continues to uphold and rule over it at all. And then, because... This God is our Father. That means we can completely trust without doubting for even a second that He both can and will provide you and I with all that we need for body and soul. We heard that earlier this afternoon too. How our Father knows what we need. And it means we can trust Him completely. 
That even when he does send adversity my way, he can turn that to my good. But as I said, more on this next week. Stay tuned to be continued. For today, let's leave here with a renewed sense of wonder and awe that your and my Father is Almighty God. And that nothing is too big or too small for our Father. Maybe we can have that children's song. Kids, you know this song, right? Maybe we can have that song as that annoying tune that's always in our heads and in our minds as we go about our week. My God is so big. So big and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Let's rejoice before the Lord. Praise His name. For the Lord is faithful and all the earth is filled with His goodness. Amen. Sing these words I just ended with as a responsive psalm. Psalm 33, 1 and 2.
brothers and sisters, we confess and believe that true faith is what grafts us into Christ. And we can be so thankful that it is the Holy Spirit who works this faith in our hearts. Let's then with the church of all ages and places that profess our faith by using the Apostles' Creed which summarizes all that is promised to us in the Gospel as, as it's put to music in hymn 1. thanks in prayer. I thought it would be very appropriate to use the prayer that Jesus taught us as, our, as a basis for our prayer. As, actually, as I was driving here, I was thinking about the fact that we're using the Lord's Prayer, and I thought just about the fact that here we have God's eternal Son teaching us, His adopted brothers and sisters, saying, no, you can call Him our Father because of me. And it's just something beautiful about the fact that Jesus Himself taught us to pray this. Even these opening words. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven. Yes, Father, even saying these first words of the prayer that Your eternal Son taught us, stops us in our tracks, so to speak. That we thank You, Lord, that we can know You this way. Almighty God, that You are our Father through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And because that is true, Lord, we know that we can trust that You will provide all things. That You will so much less refuse us things we ask in faith than our fathers would refuse us things here on earth. And Lord, 
Help us also to then expect from your almighty power all the things that we need for our bodies and souls. Yes, may your name be hallowed. May your name be glorified. And help us to really know you, praise you for all your works. May all that we think, say, and do give honor and glory to your name. Your kingdom come. Help us, Father, to long for being with you forever. And may we now already here today enjoy being with you and knowing you are with us. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, Father. Help us to trust that you will provide all we need. Yes, when we think of our daily bread, we think of our bodies. May we have that trust since you have both the power to do so and the willingness as our Father. And when it comes to our souls, Father, forgive us our sins, our debts, all our transgressions. And not only that, Lord, give us the grace to forgive those who sin against us for not doing so also messes up our souls. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For we know that in and of ourselves we are so weak we couldn't stand for even a moment. And so hold us up by your strong hand. Make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit. Help us to resist the devil and all our enemies till that day we receive the inheritance that you promised, guaranteed by your Spirit as your adopted children. For yours, Lord, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We now have the opportunity to worship God by showing our thankfulness with the gifts we give, which as earlier this day will be collected for the work done by word and deed. And then we can sing our final song, praising God for his faithfulness, how he never changes, how each new morning we see new mercies, and that all of nature, the seasons, the sun, the moon, the stars, they are all witness to God's faithfulness. Hymn 66 all three stanzas after your gifts are collected.
We are privileged to go from here with our triune God's blessing, and what a blessing it is. It is the gift of God Himself in His three persons coming to live in our hearts. Truly, God is with us. So let's leave here with the peace of God which transcends all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. My brothers, sisters, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.